BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell. Hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations. And I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is oh fucking official. All right? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Empire State Rap. Yeah. Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, Long Island. Yeah, yeah. From the start, though, darker than the episode of Narcos. Be smart, don't follow the rapping like Donnie Darko. It's Brooklyn. My niggas rock more polo than Marco. We keep a Queens lace, more shoes than the Mel DeMarco's. We keep a mean face like you don't want the problems. Too many rap niggas be talking to the five They're leaking more secrets than Trump at the Mar-a-Lago. We on code like Fred Hampton out of Chicago. Free the land, free the man. Diamond D has impacted our lives for over 30 years, starting before his debut album, Stun Splunts and Hip Hop, to working with artists such as The Tropical Quest, The Fugees, Bumpy Knuckles, Faramanch, Fat Joe, Karis Swan, and many more. The DITC legend is a musical genius and has just released a new album with Talib Kweli, Gotham. With that, Diamond D, welcome to Library Rap, the Hip Hop interviews with Tim Einkel. Thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be here. You know, I'm glad to be here. So, thank you. Uh, so... Of course, I want to talk about this new album that you and Quali just dropped. But before we get into that, when anybody, you know, you talk to anybody about what does the name Diamond D mean? And they think of, you know, obviously a legendary producer, an MC. But reading up on you, it seems like your passion wasn't always producing or seeing. It was DJing. So what, what kind of drew you to being a DJ? And then when did you decide to make that switch over to producing and MCing? You know, Tim, most producers, about 95% of us start, start out as DJs. You know, whether it's Timberland or Dr. Dre or uh, a- any other producers. But most producers start off as DJs. Just the concept of blending records and, and timing and things of that nature. You know? When I made my transition, around the time of Lord Finesse, when I was co-producing Lord Finesse's first album with Premier and Showbiz, um, The Funky Technician. That's another time where I, where I kind of made the transition. Um, I was a DJ in the group Ultimate Force. We put up that single on Strong City Records called I'm Not Playing. Um, and then, um, like I said, around 1990 is when I made the transition. 
Yeah, uh, D, you just talked about Ultimate Force and uh, having the single on Strong City Records. I'm not playing. Uh, it was one release, you know, one one twelve inch single release. Uh, why? And that was back in 1989. But why? Why only one one release? And was there uh, was there an entire album uh, ready to go with that, or was it just kind of that was the plan with it? You know, around that time, um, Strong City. Um, lost their distribution deal with Universal, I believe. So the album so the album was shelved, but it but it was released in two thousand seven. So it finally did see it, it finally did see the light of day. Um it's just unfortunate that it took about fourteen years for that to happen. But it was released. It was <laughs> If it was released in a timely manner, do you do you see? I mean, did you did you already have a goal in mind for your career trajectory, or did you do you think it would you you we would be having a totally different conversation today? Well, you know what, even even at that time, I was dabbling in in, in exploring my own my own thing. Um, like I said, I was just a DJ in that group, and I was also the producer. During the course of making that album, or maybe shortly after, I recorded The Best Kept Secret. And that's the single that actually got me signed over that, um, <coughs> that Chemistry Records. And, and, and that led that led to my Stunt Bloods and Hip Hop album. Mm. That was the first demo, Best Kept Secret. When did you, when did you start uh, focusing on that kind of your own thing your own your you know the best kept secret and then ultimately going into your debut album about 1991 about 1991 I got the deal in 91 before I even got signed there were like certain records I would set aside and say you know if I ever get my own situation I'm gonna sample this so I you know I had like a whole like a whole half a crate of records that I wanted to use if something ever um, came if something ever came together that was just a Diamond D project and not an Ultimate Force project. The Ultimate Force album was already done. Mm-hmm. So, what's crazy is um, just how everything how everything panned out. When the Best Kept Secret came out, a lot of people who knew me in the South Bronx um, around the Forest Project area they were surprised. They were like, "Yo." What are you doing on a microphone? Like they all knew me from like you know spinning records, right? Um, so yeah, it was it was just wild, Tim. It was wild. Just looking back at it now, um, but you know I'm grateful for that experience. Was there push pushback as from the you know obviously the the, the besides the intro, the first track on on Stunts, Blunts, and Hip Hop is the best kept secret, right? Which is obviously you spitting on that track. Um, was there pushback from the, I guess, the MC community about you rhyming on a track, being like, "Well, you're a producer, shouldn't you kind of stay in your own lane?" No, thing? no because I, even 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 in the press releases for that album, I made it known that I, you know I'm a producer first. Mm-hmm. So you know, M, you know, uh, you know, MCs who lived and died by MCing didn't see it as a threat. They saw it as just a, a producer who's rhyming on his songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even and even today, if somebody asks me, what's my first love? I, 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 you know, I, I would say producing. 
Dejan and then Ramen in that order. It just so happens that I run better than a lot of NCs. I'm aware of that too. <laughs> nice, that's dope. I want to ask you about Big L because the the sense of like you know we always talk about B sides, right? And and B sides winning, you know, and P says B sides wins again. Uh, and you have Ice T Six in the Morning, which is a B side. You have UTFOs Roxanne Roxanne, which is a B side, and then you have another B side, but it's 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 on Lord Finesse's debut album, which is introducing an artist, and that artist is Big L. Um, do you remember the first time, the first time you met Big L and what, if anything stood out to you as, as an artist or did anything actually stand out to him? And were, I mean, were you impressed by him at first or did that kind of take a while to, to warm up to? This time, Lord Finesse is on fire. So anybody, anybody he was co-signing had to be crazy. When I first heard L, I said what a lot of people said, um, around that time. That was that. He sounded like Lord Finesse, but maybe newer, if I can use that word. Mm-hmm. You know, but 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 even even Big L said that Lord Finesse was one of his favorite MCs. Just the whole punchline style mm-hmm. that um, Lord Finesse had had kind of mastered when he made Funky Technician and the Return of the Funky Man. In uh, 1994, the Fuji released their debut album, Blunted on uh, Reality, right? And at that time, it sold only 12,000 copies. In in 96, they released their de- their other al- their second album, The Score, which you know, which I think was what a lot of people were finally re or introduced to them, right? It sold 22 million copies. It was obviously a, a highly right. uh, highly appreciative album. Praz has talked about how you during the process you 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 talked to them about how you wanted to get on the album and produce a song with them and that ultimately became the score um no, i was looking at no okay no why clef approached me in the tunnel hmm. the underground the underground um club in new york city he approached me why would i approach the fujis coming off of a flop tim that was my question yes exactly Right, <laughs> stupid. But you know, motherfuckers want to embellish and all that. Whatever. So, so I guess what what, what was the what was the Wyclef pitch that said to you, you know, hey, we just did a flop. Can you no, <laughs> produce? No, this? no, no. When I met him, they had that joint out, uh, Mona Lisa. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, the Salam Remy remix. And a lot, of, a lot of people was feeling that, including me. Mm-hmm. That's how I even knew who who Wyclef was. So naturally, me being into that song, when he approached me, said he wanted to hear some beats. I said, "Okay, you no, know, give me a week." A week later, I met him at the Forty Five Kings house. Him and Prize came, and that's when I played. That's when I played the beats for them. And one of those beats became um, the score. Soldiers, left, right, left, right. It's time I settle the score. Left, right, left, right, left. Left, time I left, settle the score. Rip with the rum, rum to the rip, rip, single. But the times I come in triple. I mean, even though they had this flop, did you? Autom- I mean, as a producer, did you, did you automatically kind of try to dismiss those numbers and, and saw the potential in all of them? Well, back then, I didn't know how many records they sold. I had right. never heard of them. But, like I said, 
that remix that Salam Remy did kind of saved them. That's the only reason, in hindsight, Columbia gave them another chance. Columbia Roughhouse, I believe they were on Roughhouse. But like I said, the, the, the remix, it, you know, it made some traction. Right. And that's what saved them. Typically, if you only sell about 12,000 units, a major label would not invest in you anymore. Nah, it doesn't they make sense. They also had good management back then. I want to ask you about a, a, a DMX because I think when when he passed away, you 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 wrote something on a face on IG that kind of stands up and and it's a reason why I've always liked DMX as an artist. Not I mean for many reasons, but I think he makes us made us in a way kind of face our like contradictions in a way of like we believe something and then he says something and it kind of like forces us to be like that's a dope lyric and that makes sense and that's not what I thought about. But um, but you talked about how. Um, how he had his personal struggle with righteousness, righteousness, but the dark side is the thing that brought him fame, and he kept on kind of struggling with that. Yeah, that that, that was a repost um, from my good friend Bones Malone. But I know what you're talking but, about. But but it says something a lot about how I think a lot of DMX fans felt about him is that he did kind of he was this person who dealt with a daily struggle of you know had to contradict his life in terms of trying to be this good man, but then you know had a dark side to which get brought him fame. You know, it's almost like Marvin Gaye. Exactly, right? exactly. Uh how how hard is it? You know, you've you've done this for obviously a while. How hard is it for an artist to change his or her image, especially when that first image that we know about them has um again has gained acceptance and is relevant to the public versus the one he or she wants to be. Uh, no, I mean, that's subjective, and it varies from artist to artist. Talking about DMX, I don't know, from the outside looking in, because I, 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 I didn't know X like that. You know, I met him a few times in passing, but I didn't know the brother. But, you know, I know I know he went to rehab a few times. So possibly if he would have just left whatever he was doing alone and uh, just focused on the other stuff that got him where he was at, perhaps things would have worked out differently. But you know, addiction is real. Yeah. Well, you got food addiction too. You got gamblers. I know motherfuckers who, like, I know people right now, if they was in the room with me, they'd be betting $100 bills on who can toss the dime the closest to the wall. Like, you know, gambling addiction is real too. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, the great DMX. I want to ask you about a uh, you know Buck Wild who uh, who was interviewed on the podcast and and you know I, I told him I was interviewing you and he sent you know he wrote back and said uh, you know he gives you so much respect because he, he, you gave him his first remix track which was Shit Is Real. Um, what what stood out to you? Uh, what stood Buck Wild as a producer? What stood out to you as for as him being a producer? What stood out to me was. It's like he just popped, like like he was a D, again, he was a DJ. Like most producers, he was a DJ. And then he just popped up making beats and the beats, you know, the, the beats was tight. And I don't know who he asked to show him. It's like he just popped out of nowhere and shit was like, well, you know, around that time he was around Lord Finesse a lot too. He was around Lord Finesse and a lot of, a lot of Buckwild's earlier beats sounded like finesse beats at that time respectfully you know it's crazy tim it's like i don't know it's like 
boy got his hands on an SB12 or whatever he was using. And like in a matter of months, he had he had got to the point where he was ready to like start shopping beat. I mean, the, the, it's what, what's great about this podcast and talking to, you know, artists like yourself and also Buck Wild is that your your mind works in this incredible way that only I wish my mind could work. Uh, you know, in terms of this, like hearing a beat and know, or hearing a sample and knowing perfectly where all the pieces are going to fit and kind of, and, and knowing full well, like when a creating a beat and knowing that it's not the beat that people are looking for, but knowing that it's going to be a hit. And, and, and one beat that really stands out and Buckwell talks about this is the beat uh, for woe. Uh, with Black Rob, where he said at that time, nobody was looking for kind of slow beats, but he kind of knew this was going to be something. Uh, do you remember him playing you that beat? And what was were you kind of part of the camp that that was too slow? Or did you like, what did you think about the beat at the, the time? I never heard that beat oh, wow. until Woe came out. And I guess with uh, Rob's voice, I mean, what is... Rob's voice kind of helps elevate that beat. And, you know, the beat was already elevated enough, but that beat um what was the first time you heard his voice his flow on the track and the shit that he was saying everything connected to a lot of people outside of new york woe was like a new slang word you know and then you know then you got the bad boy machine that was behind him everything was just aligned for rob for that record Rob does an incredible track with you off of uh, the dime, the dime piece, the take him off the map, and and on it in the chorus he spits everybody tell me to dumb down, then screw all. I guess I raise the bar. Could can you talk about right. the state of hip hop and they say of New York hip hop in particular when Black Rob debuted in two thousand and kind of how did his album Life Story and how did himself kind of raise that bar that you know that he talks about in, in the song with you. No, Rob, Rob, you know, Rob was the hometown favorite, the underdog. You gotta remember at that time, uh, Puff was on the shiny, the shiny suits. Right. And then here comes, you know, Black Rob, who's also on Bad Boy, but like the anti-Bad Boy. I think I got a suit, Rob in a suit one time. Rob was like, he was on Bad Boy, but you know, he was like, you know. Had his own had his had his own movement. Anti anti shiny suits gutter. Um, the storytelling was crazy. His delivery, his voice. You know, Rob was one of the best that ever did it. When he when when he debuted, did he remind you of anyone that you worked with previously, or or kind of? Nope. Nah. He he had his he had his own style. No, yeah, Black Rob ain't sound like nobody. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to ask you one more thing about the, the dime piece. And, and it's this the first track off of, the, of it with Rap Life featuring Pharaoh. Uh, there's these incredible horns that are being played on the track and and the great thing about these horns is that one they fit perfectly with Faramanch but two you've used them you you used them in a way where they you knew they weren't going to drown out or distract the listener from any of Manch's lyrics how do you how do you know to do that like I mean I I just kind of take me into the the process for you and how you you know produce this song but then knew this would be the kind of the perfect fit I think for Pharaoh well I didn't know it would be a perfect fit for Pharaoh but I, I played him the beat and he loved it I didn't make that beat for Pharaoh that was just the track that I had uh, as far as the horns the horns that I sample are in the same key as the other stuff that I sample and then you know uh, in the mixing process uh, that's where your engineer can layer it to a point where uh, all the elements of the song doesn't drown out the MC. So that's basically what happened. Uh, that when the nigga can actually rap right, it's a mirror to motherfuckers who ain't rap right. I say Ricky Ticky Timbo, no Sal Rimbo, Chariariuchi, Pip Perry Pimbo. It's turned to the, the new album. You know, you've uh, you've collaborated with Quali in the past on, on you know the, the dime piece one and two, and then you've also but we go back further on Pharaoh's uh, internal affairs album, uh, where you produced the truth with Common and Quali. When when did you kind of know? I guess that there was some sort of you know there was a great chemistry between you two that an album was possible to have, not just a single here, a single there. Like you said, you know, I, I, me and Tyler, we go back to um, the Eternal Affairs album. Uh, so, you know, we always, we always respected each other, artistry. You know, I always, I always thought he was dope and see. And, you know, he always said, you know, he loved my beats. And, um, like I, it really, it really wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. Shit didn't happen. Um, I sent him about nine beats. He said, he said, yo, he said, um, I'm working on an album. Well, I would like to work on an album. I want to hear some beats. So I was scheduled to fly to LA and do his show, People's Party. So I sent him, I sent him like, like around nine beats. And, I don't know, maybe about three or four days later when I got there, I said, yo, which which beat did you like? You know, singular, which beat did you like? He was like, beat? I robbed all of them shit. So, 
That's how it came together, Tim. And um, some songs didn't make the final cut. That's that's the premise of um of how Gotham uh, came to be. While he was living out in L.A. for a while. And he said that uh, my beat just reminded him of an East Coast flavor, which which they are. Um, so because it was just just the mind state. Like I said, uh, my my first thing I said to him was this beat is so I had no idea that he had felt all of them to the point where in the span of two days he recorded nine joints. Is I mean is that that process for you is that uh, is that normal <laughs> you know I mean is that um, it was that was that a surprise I guess more in terms of like how you normally are able to work with the artist be like all right I send you a few beats you pick one I mean or do you get those artists that are I mean they're you know their pen games are just so nice that the beats are perfect for them and they could just you know fill out nine beats a, a, little, a little bit of both. A little, a little bit of both. Um, but like I say with Talib, you know, I, I, I did say which beat was you feeling. Um, you know, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard, Tim. Every artist, every artist is different. You know, I, I, I've sent beats to, to some artists, and they say, "Well, you know, can we hear something else?" You no, know, so. Right. Um, the the track on Mamas is a is a track celebrating the greatness of of New York City, and it kind of is a this is a type of track that reminds me of um, Jean Grey's uh, Block Party, where she talks about kind of getting off the block but traveling the world and then learning from it and and coming back and, and talking about that. Um, can you talk about the importance of a track of for you at this time of On Mamas and and what have you learned about? Hip hop culture from around the world that you, when you come back home, you 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 bring to the table. What I learned about hip hop culture is when you go overseas, a lot of fans still want to hear classic hip hop. Uh, that's from my observation. But you know, at the same time, you know the new shit is popping off right. over there too. Not to say the new shit ain't clicking over there. The new shit is clicking hard overseas, but there's still there's there's still an admiration and, and respect for classic for classic hip hop. Uh, artists from the nineties or two thousands. Um, more so more so than back here in the States. So, you know. You ask anybody, you ask any artist that and they'll tell you. Spray paint, I ain't getting up to get fame. Now a baby's coming out of the womb, the gang gang. Back in the day, all of that banging was a Cali thing. You could tell the difference from the New York and the Cali slang. I love to write to the clanging of the train. The kids playing on the swang, the brap of the gun, play the air horn. They tell the Hasidics it's time to pray to drumming on Sundays in the park with the sun rays shine down on the hollow grounds where rap started at. My what, what's the importance of a track like Ah Mamas for you, which kind of you know, celebrates celebrates New York City. Yeah, yeah All Mamas was just you know a, a celebration of New York City. I think All Mamas was um, that wasn't the first track he recorded. That might have been the fourth, I think. The fourth. I just did a remix for it too. I'm about to, I'm about to release the remix today. Many things that you're 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 
you're known for are remixing tracks, right? Uh, and and those remixes are you know are sometimes more uh, appreciated or you know get more fanfare than than the original. Um, uh, what other do you have other remixes planned for this album? And and why? What's the thinking behind when you when you decide to do a remix for a track? Is the remix better than the original? That's that's the main goal, or just different enough, whether um, sonically or with with, with with new rhymes. There are no rules. I approach each one differently, but for the uh, for the All Mamas remix, what I did was I changed the drums up. So now instead of sounding um, like an electro track, it has it has a deep funk, a deep funk hip hop feel now. With the remix I just did. You know, we're obviously talking during you know it's been a, a year, a pandemic year. Uh, uh, so was this. Was the album created during this year, or was it? I guess when when did the the studio sessions happen, or the you know the the, the final you know, the mixing? Uh, I would say we started maybe for for two thousand nineteen, and we went to like spring spring twenty. So yeah, from four four two thousand nineteen to to uh, spring twenty. We talked about kind of contradictions with DMX, and I want to ask you about the track um, uh, "Chillin' Wild Black." And it's and it's and I just want to ask you about this because it's, it's an interesting exercise for me in terms of like uh, the lyrical content uh, being in a in an interesting way contradicted, not in a bad way, by the beat that's supporting it. Because the lyrics are about please killing blacks for just being back black, right? But the beat to me is kind of very celebratory in a way. Uh, was that purposeful when you guys put the tracks together? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like not like not like Fourth of July celebratory, but you know, more I guess more upbeat than I would think for a uh, maybe a track that's about kind of a very somber topic. Right. You know what? Uh, I kind of I kind of see where you, I kind of see the reasoning behind that statement. Um, but at the same time, um, it's a soulful beat, and the horns. Just grab your attention. It, it reminded me. I was I was in the mind state of Chuck D and Public Enemy, where they where they would have these beats as you know these backbone beats, but then the horns will pull you in and kind of make you listen to what the MC is saying. Right, like kind of like a harder than you think type thing. Yeah, I'm thinking more like uh, don't believe the hype, rebel without a mm-hmm. cause. Probably out of pause. Um, those those records. Okay, nice. Yeah, you know, it just sound like nothing you heard. Like, like the beat was funky, but then you had that you had some crazy horns in. Um, so that's that's kind of that's kind of like how I look at it. it. It's a good, it's a good contrast because um, you just said how the beat sounds celebratory. But at the same time, the shit that we're talking about is some real shit. Right, and and you're right, and you're totally right in a way that it does make you. And you know, I think that's one one of the. I mean, all the tracks you focus on the lyrics as well, but this is like that's that time where you really 
focus on the lyrics maybe because you're like well they're not talking about celebratory shit and they're at the same time like oh what is he saying and and you're right it does work out perfectly in terms of what um what you guys are trying to accomplish with especially with that track might get arrested just for chilling while black there's a war going on outside no black is safe from the daily bullshit we can't escape from salutary thoughts take shape from behind the eyes i've seen da's lies trumped up alibis drowned by mama's cries they hate us all it ain't hard to surmise Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Car Pro Show podcast is available on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. I can't take my husband anywhere. He's constantly behaving like a five-year-old, snorting, joking, yapping with strangers. It's so embarrassing. But the one period when he's fully engrossed in anything is if he's listening to the Car Pro Show podcast. Here they are now on the Car Pro Show. He gets to hear Jerry and Kevin share all the latest and greatest news and information about the CarPro Friends universe, reviews and commentary on all the newer vehicle lineups from every major brand, stories and testimonials about ultimate car buying experiences through CarPro.com, and certified CarPro Friends at dealers nationwide. My only regret is when this two-hour break from you-know-who ends. Save yourself! Grab some me time by tuning into the CarPro Show podcast on your device anytime, anywhere. Listen to the CarPro Show on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com. You know, the album Gotham starts with Sons of Gotham and then leaves us with the fold. Can you just talk about the reasoning behind, like, kind of bookending the album with these two tracks? Well, Sons of Gotham, I felt would set the tone of the album. So that's why that's. That's the first track. Um, the fold, it really wasn't. It really, it really wasn't too much thinking into it. The fold was like the last song we recorded. Mm, nice. So you know, it 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 just ended. It just ended on that, and I was rhyming on it too. So we just said, "Fuck it, we're gonna we're gonna leave it like that." It wasn't no huge thought process for that particular song, and in, um, in, in in respect to the sequence. You know, you look at the features on the album. You obviously have, you know, uh, that you and Quali, you know, asked to be on the album. You have Busta, you have Sky Zoo, you know, John Forte, Nico is, uh, Nairi, all day. As a producer, and even as an MC, can you can you talk about briefly about you know each of these artists and 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 what stands out to you that you know makes them as a producer saying I want you know a Sky Zoo, I want Busta to be on this track. Well, Kwali um, picked all of the guests. The guest that I picked was Afro. Oh, nice. And uh, Afro, um, he rhymes on the song. As far as Buster Rhymes, of course, Buster Rhymes is legendary. You know, one of the best to ever, ever do it. Um, John Forte and Kwali, they were in a rap group together. Um, in the early '90s, so that so they have history together. 
uh, Sky Zoo, of course, um, one of the best of of the new class to come out of Brooklyn. Did I cover everybody? All day. Oh, Nairi all day. Yeah. Okay. She's um again. Talib Tal- picked her, and um, when I got to the studio and heard what she what she had done, I was blown away. And then I went to check out her stuff. Crazy. You know, you've you've uh, you've done this for you know a little over thirty years. Uh, what is kind of has been that one constant, absolute favorite part of what you do? Uh, you know, that has stayed with you since you started and up until now. Making something out of nothing. You know, just making something. I don't know, like making something out of nothing. That like that that's just, that's what keeps me. Driven, as far as a producer, you know, just to sit around a bunch of old records or whatever, and, uh, sample, manipulate, create something that only only you can do. That's the thing about you know, you can give a producer a room full of producers the same record to sample, but everybody's gonna have their own interpretation of it. That's one of the things that keep, keeps me driven. And plus, I'm still a fan of the music. He's the great uh, Diamond D, a new album with Quartalo Kali Gotham. Uh, uh, Diamond D, it's been an honor to have you on Library Rap, the Hip Hop Adivas with Tim Monaco. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, yo, thanks for having me, Tim. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is IT. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. All right, stop playing. Download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold cat. We pro justice and we pro black. We pro black. We pro knowledge and we pro facts. No cap, we get it going like a soul clap. Well, most rap caps is terrified of the blowback. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.